Blog Talk Radio. Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures. I'm your host, Paul Booth. Today we're here to discuss a great indie gem that's currently on Netflix. So don't turn us off to watch it. Wait till you hear the director discuss it. We're joined today by Miss Valerie Weiss, and she's going to be talking to us about her film, A Light Beneath Their Feet. Very interesting background to this filmmaker and very, very great, intriguing film. And we'll jump right into it uh, and introduce our guest today, director Valerie Rice. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Paul. No problem. Anytime. We're we're always so appreciative when filmmakers stop by. So um, thank you. Uh, this film... Um, and can you tell us any other outlets that it's on besides Netflix, so those people that have that don't have Netflix can check it out? Sure. Uh, it's also on Amazon and Vudu and um, iTunes, and I have to check where else. You can buy the DVD as well on um, Amazon. And uh, I think there might be a couple of places. I'm going to look oh, well, it up while we talk. <laughs> Oh, on Fandango, Hoopla, Voodoo, and Vimeo On Demand. It's playing all those places right now, too. Wow, congrats on that widespread um, release. I know one of the things that they, that makes something, so, that makes things so interesting, and obviously the whole entire podcast is how we spent our time as filmmakers dreaming of that one day that we would play in a theater and a movie theater and now it's um seems like it might never happen unless we're like two feet from it and uh so that's always an interesting thing that now the goal is to like get netflix and and itunes um but obviously we'll get back to that when we get into the filmmaker side again a light beneath their feet uh after Valerie uh, goes off air, I'll give my review and take on it. Um, this was obviously great. Uh, we don't, I don't want to say this in a snobby way, but only because we don't like to criticize. We never have a film on that we don't enjoy. So we don't want to say that we only allow films that are good. It just, there's no point in bashing someone's work. But uh, Valerie, I wanted to, to see if you could best explain your background here because very few filmmakers I've ever come across have such a medical background before jumping into film. Um, sure. So I actually did a PhD in biophysics at Harvard and a master's in medical sciences at Harvard Medical School before becoming a filmmaker. And how how does Okay, that's a, you know, as we had talked on our prelim chat and for the audience, I had mentioned I just met this one-time guy that was a chemistry major and he said he felt film was a bunch of elements including our reactions to it and our moods. So how do you, other than to, I mean, I, I could see where with this film there was obviously implications to really understand a character, obviously not the kind of life experience you want to go through to write about, but I'm, I'm still trying to see where knowing, I mean, a PhD isn't just like you kind of went into it. So to have, and especially <laughs> from Harvard and Princeton 
and then to turn around and be a film director, what's that bridge? What's that road? Yeah, I, I think for me it all comes down to curiosity. I think that's what attracted me to science and also to being a filmmaker. I feel like, you know, we get one chance at this life and go short in the history of time, you know, uh, 60 years, 80 years, 90 years, maybe 130 years by the time, you know, we pass. And that's really just a blink of the eye. And I felt like from a very young age, I wanted the opportunity to live as many lifetimes as I could in this one container that we have. And both art and science seemed to me like the best way to do that. Um, With acting, when I was young, I, I studied acting and you know, through portraying different characters, felt like that was a really smart way to sort of beat the system of time and get, you know, a lot of experiences that I wouldn't otherwise be able to have as a, you know, as a human being. And then in 10th grade, I fell in love with biology. I had this amazing science teacher, Mr. Sharon Bura, who used to teach biology like it was a story. And something just changed in me from that point on where I felt like through performing arts I could learn a lot about relationships and the bigger picture of how our world works but suddenly I could then go backwards and get this reductionist understanding of why we are the way we are starting with the molecular level and so from that point on I became really interested in science and not just science in general, but understanding it at the the most minuscule level possible, the atomic level and how atoms interact with each other. And so I studied X-ray crystallography because that is a, uh, an area of science where you are really taking a 3D photograph of a molecule and looking at how atoms interact with each other. And through that, you can understand a lot about how life works. And so... I was really attracted to that area of science and about the same time that I learned about X-ray crystallography in college, I started directing and from that point on, I I no longer wanted to act because I thought directing was the coolest thing ever because it, it really uses both sides of your brain, your analytical side and your creative side and that felt really, really right to me and so I was at a point where I felt really fortunate to be able to study science and and directing in this academic setting, and I really didn't want to make a choice. You know, I finished, um, I graduated from Princeton, and, you know, I, or that was looming ahead of me, and I really had to figure out, well, I wasn't ready to choose, and I also didn't feel like I was expert enough at either either thing to pursue it professionally yet, so I decided to do a Ph.D. at Harvard, and um basically continue exploring both things. And so when I got to Harvard, I was able to start a film program for graduate students to learn filmmaking. And it was, you know, what I wanted to learn. And so I was fortunate enough to have this program at Dudley House uh, grant me a computer and editing software and a camera, a mini DV camera back then. And, oh, wow. you know, <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, enable me to go out and create my own program. And so that's what I did. I was I invited any filmmakers who were coming through Boston to come speak at Harvard for a night. And we had Jim Toback and Hal Hartley and Uta Breezewitz, who was the cinematographer at the time and now she's a very successful television director. 
Brad Anderson and Dylan Kidd and these these film professionals would come and teach for a night. And that was really my film school um, while I was getting my PhD. And then my last year at Harvard, I was writing my dissertation, but also on the side, um, making, directing my first film collaboratively. I, I was the sole director, but it was written collaboratively with five or six other graduate students. And Two weeks after we wrapped production, I defended my thesis and then never did another experiment again. I had made the decision that film directing is what I really wanted to do. Well, that's such a brilliant way of putting it because you're a PhD. And, of course, I mean, let's face it, a film is an experiment, right? You don't know if it's going to work or what your results are going to exactly. be. Exactly. Right? So you had that. You had that down. What what I wanted to compliment you on was you just said, oh, so then I thought I'd go to Harvard. Like somebody says they're going to get Fruit Loops at the store. And I appreciate that, you know, there's that bad rap for people that go to those schools, the way they talk or their attitude. And, and I've never bought into it. But I do want to appreciate that you're not uh, coming off the way many PhDs that I've met come off has and to take that into film, uh, I think is really important because a, a few things, and this will just be a brief question for you, because I've always wanted to, I've always wondered how a, someone adapts, especially into a, a, a film like art or an art like film that's, you meet so many PhDs where, and again, I'm not knocking and this isn't derogatory, where they have all this book knowledge because they've been in a library for 10 years, but then you interact with them and they're like missing some social norms. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying this in a bad way. So mm -hmm. did you have to consciously work past that to kind of be like, I don't want to just be that PhD that sits in the corner and talks to other PhDs as I pursue um, my film. Like I need, I need to have a certain kind of way that I present myself. No, I mean, in fact, I, I've always been extremely social, and I think that was a little bit of the challenge of doing a PhD was a little bit of social restlessness. And um, so, yeah, my personality hasn't changed. Um, so I think, you know, in some ways film is a better fit personally. Um, you know, the collaboration that you have and being on set and directing hundreds of people on your crew and a cast, you know, a huge cast is very well suited to what I thrive on. And, you know, that's a little bit missing in science. Every science is different. Every lab is different. And we had a, quite a social lab, so it was actually a wonderful place to be. But, um, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't an adjustment for me. But I do think that my time doing a PhD with personality types, as you described, that might be a little bit more introverted or cautious, um, learning how to sort of draw people like that out so we can collaborate together on a project, I think it was, was a great challenge and something that helped me as a director. Um, so, yeah, I'm appreciative that I, I got that opportunity to have another field, not just for the intellectual content, but also the social, cultural aspect, because it is, as you said, it's quite unique, and um, I think it informs the work I do, so, yeah. Oh, I mean, it was, it was a, it, 
I mean, dead on, and I guess that can lead us into the film. Um, I mean, I'm left here with, obviously, IMDb saying what the film's about or what the specific thing is. Um, not thing, you know what I mean, synopsis. And I never know if these are correct because I've read them before and then had a filmmaker be like, oh, that's just who did our IMDb page. They didn't get our film. So I'll read this, and please, if there's another way you want it described, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, a high school senior must choose between enrolling at the College of Her Dreams and remain, remaining at home to take care of her bipolar mother. Yeah. That, Does, that yeah, works for you? Good. Okay. Okay, <laughs> cool. I wanted to make sure because I've gotten, like, emails after shows, nice ones, of course, because all our guests are great. Um, now, for you film fans, there's a lot of great actors in this. I do not know why. I never remember his name, but he seems to be in like every movie ever made. The therapist. Oh, Kurt Fuller. Yes. It's Kurt like, it's Kurt that Fuller. guy that you go, I love him. And he's always like the coach that's mean or the dad that's reprimanded. And he's like, he's so good in that. And so I just love that, that I, I doubt you consciously said I want to put him in a helpful role, but it was kind of like, oh, he's not, he's not that heavy principal or whatever, you know? So I really appreciated that. Um, this movie has a great cast all around. We don't need to, uh, as a show, go through the great name dropping festival that is Los Angeles. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention to compliment the director here was she had, uh, Taryn Manning uh, has one of the main characters, pretty much the main character. I don't want to spoil too much of the movie. And most of you will know her as uh, Terrence Howard's main prostitute in Hustle and Flow. Now, I only mentioned this and wanted to ask the director of this because I don't like talking about famous people or their stars or not into celebrity. Uh, what you You took this character so far left field from right field. And of course, I think she's the great underrated actress that can do anything. What was it like to take all her other roles that she's known for gritty, gritty films like eight mile hustle and flow and put her in this character piece that obviously has no connotations of hookers and pimps and rappers. Um, you know, it was amazing to work with Taryn, and I think one of the exciting things about casting Taryn is that she'd never played a mom, and she hadn't played a role like this before, and yet we all know how much depth she has and what an incredible actor she is, and I thought she would really bring just so much texture and in- interesting, I don't know, interesting uh personality aspects to it that, you know, if casting somebody who typically plays a mom might not. And so I thought it, it would be way more interesting to cast someone who's as rich as Karen um, is as a person and as a, as an actress and have them fill this role even more than somebody else might. So, um, and she's, like you said, just so tremendously talented. And, and I think, you know, it seems to me like every time Taryn does a role, she's completely starting from scratch and reinventing herself like a good actress, good actor should. And it was amazing to get to watch that process. You know, even from the very first 
rehearsal with Madison, who plays her daughter, Madison Davenport, who's so talented as well. Um, we had to do most of our rehearsals on Skype because Madison was working in Texas on from dusk till dawn. And so even that first rehearsal where there, I was with Karen in my office and Madison was remote and seeing their two faces on the same screen, which was amazing because they actually look so much alike. Um, and just seeing what a giving actress Karen was and how she was from the initial rehearsal, just trying to create the relationship and just being so present and warm and understanding and, not even building the character yet, but just trying to find what that relationship would be as mother-daughter with this particular actress was just fascinating to watch because it didn't seem to me like she comes with any preconceptions early on in the process, which I think probably part of why she's so fantastic and so present on screen is that she's really listening and really honest and, you know, building it from what is there, both in the script and between her and her, her co-star. Yes, there's a, I mean, I obviously, you know, we, in a nice way, not a condescending way, we, we like to, part of the purpose of the show was to let people know that, you know, a film is not always, you know, Martin Scorsese doesn't run his own craft services and, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has people that he works off of. So that for those people that didn't know, it was so collaborative. We wanted to kind of create this space where we could have people, you know, we've had crew members, we've had actors, actresses, writers, film historians to show that it's like a team effort. So I appreciate that you're, you know, acknowledging these, um, I guess, what would the analogy be? They're your parts of your experiment. Um, now, is there something, uh, and I asked this of a lot of guests, and so it's, it, I, it feels like a weird question to me, but is there something that you, that's, that's not cliche, like when we all make that next film, we go, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done this or that. It, was there something really huge that you took away from this that you were just like, oh, my gosh, had I not made this film there's nothing, any degrees, any life experience, anything could have given me, but this part of making this movie. Um, so you're asking what, what's the biggest take home from doing this movie as a director? Yeah. Is that yeah. The question? Okay. Yeah. You know, I think, and this is what we hoped for, and this is, I, but I didn't know this going in, just the movie's really understated and, really it's not sensational it's about mental illness but there's no big car crashes because somebody is you know unraveling there's not it's very real life and what I've observed is that that has I think had an effect on the audience of being a more moving impactful film and they're actually I think more on the edge of their seat because it feels so real and I think so many people deal with the issue of mental illness in their lives. One quarter of all adults suffer from mental illness. And then once you factor in the people who love them, there are so many people who are touched by it, either themselves or through a loved one, that it really has 
had a profound impact on a lot of people and we, we get a lot of feedback about that. And I think, you know, I have people just telling me they, they were crying or they were afraid to watch or they had to watch it in pieces or they were too wrecked to go to the after party or, and I don't know that while making it, I could have predicted that it would have been that hard for people to take because, like I said, there aren't a lot of big movie traps that that um, we employ to manipulate. And so I think that's uh, just been a really interesting lesson in nuance and subtlety. And, um, and if you just honor your audience and tell them a really honest, story and don't get in the way between the performances and the audience, I think um, you can expect a really, a really uh, deep reaction. I, you know, I think that was, um, you kind of just took what my review was going to be at the end of the show. So, <laughs> Sorry. so that was, so thank, thank, you. thank you for being the first guest to do my review for me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was going to mention that it's, you know, like you said, uh, I think many people don't pay attention to how high the numbers are. Uh, I mean, it's a whole other show probably to talk about the stigma of it, the people that don't want to admit to it, the, the, like you said, the people that deal with loved ones uh, that are going through it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to mention there was parts of the film that, you know, I can think of that exact relative or, uh, that exact friend or I mean obviously film's supposed to be universal but I think some of the things in here were like you were saying were like you were saying were you're a little more it went a little more deeper than you had thought and uh, you know that's what I appreciated most about it was that it wasn't something where I could guess and I think as we both know just filmmakers film lovers film buffs we're all guilty of watching too many films, even though we know that ending's coming or we know the girl's going to come back for the guy, but we still buy it. And, and I had actually told Valerie before I went on air that I said, you know, this is the first time where I want to make sure that, you know, I haven't done my homework, but I have that I, I stopped the movie because I know it's going to get even better. And it actually feels kind of Hitchcocky in which I thought was so great because I would have loved to have seen somebody in a lab coat gabbing about rear window. Um, and it was like, it was so drumming up for me feelings that I've had about things I went through with certain relatives and those lines that you drew were just so perfect. So I really would go with what Valerie said about that yeah this film isn't iron man it's not um i think i i wouldn't call it a date movie i would say it's an important film that you need to watch whether it's you need to understand sympathy for yourself and others whether you just need to pay attention more to the world around you <clears throat> and especially mm-hmm. have compassion which mm-hmm. that's what i found the most uh enjoyable about your film was i i love when you can just sense who the person is through their film. I don't think that happens with many directors. I think directors like to think that it happens, but I could just sense this overflow abundance of compassion that you have for humanity. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for saying that. I mean, that's um, 
a huge compliment. Thank you. Um, I want to tell you something about why I decided to do this movie that relates to what you just said, and I'm just ecstatic to hear that, that the compassion comes through because the entire reason I wanted to do this script, um, I didn't write the movie. Moira McMahon Leeper wrote it and did a fantastic job. And when I read it, what attracted me to it was the mother-daughter story. And I didn't have um, direct experience with, with mental illness like Beth does, or maybe I do and don't know it. But um, what I felt like at this time in my life, I have two young daughters and I'm very close with my own mom, and my mom's very exuberant and fun like Gloria, and I felt like I was in a unique position because of, I don't know, being a woman or a mom or the age I am to really understand both Beth and Gloria's perspectives. And so why I wanted to make this movie and didn't want somebody else to make it was that I wanted the audience to live in the space between the two characters and not see it only from one side or the other, which I think in in different hands you could see it more from Beth's perspective or potentially Gloria's. And what I find really interesting about the story and human relationships in general is that um, basically the sharing, you know, in, in science, what makes a molecule is a bond and, it's all about bonds. Without bonds, there's no chemistry, there's no life. And those bonds are really about the different kinds of bonds, but it's really about sharing between the bonds, sharing electrons, and it can be even or uneven. And But that space between the atoms is very interesting. And so I wanted this movie to be about the space between Gloria and Beth and really to have compassion for both characters and understand that neither one has it easy and, you know, neither one chooses to be in the situation they're in. They're just doing the best they can. And I think if we all start to look at each other like that and our relationships like that, I think we'll go a lot further towards solving a lot of the problems we have. So I'm just thrilled to hear that you say that that, that came through because that was um, very important to me. Oh well, yes, I I and especially what you just added on, I I think so many films, I now that you're mentioning it, that's something that was also jumping out at me was that I think film viewers again, you can check this out, a light beneath their feet on Netflix, uh iTunes, the gambit of online stuff, Amazon, uh, is that this film does do something very unique that I think uh, that you used to find in 70s films, you found it in, obviously, in the French New Wave, was that an entire film could maybe just be about how a woman felt breaking up or or how a guy mm-hmm. dealt with women. And, you know, Truffaut, it's such a cliche to talk about Truffaut, but it's what makes it so easily accessible for the audience. Um, you know, some of his great works were like The 400 Blows was just about the issues of a, of a young boy and you watch this movie and you think, how did this influence everybody known to man after that film? But it's just about nothing but what a boy goes through. So as I was watching this film, I was thinking, this is kind of dividing me in a great way. You know, like, not like you're supposed to root for one of them, but to think that you were looking at 
getting in between the bond and the atoms is just is an amazing way of explaining it because as of course we all know i mean i'm assuming the word bond and when they talk about chemistry between people be it friends family you know <laughs> family is a bad example usually there's not great chemistry there in my side <laughs> but um, <laughs> But um, yeah, I, 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 I really wanted to say that I also appreciate as a filmmaker, you taking the time to be in this kind of world where, like you're saying, there didn't need to be a car crash and then they're recovering from their PTSD or there didn't need to be a damaging marriage and now the woman's damaged by all men or, or the man is a woman hater and you manage to just start them both off from A and go through what they're supposed to go through. I think that's really, I, I'm, I, I didn't read it because I love finding out tidbits from the director. I think that's, I mean, how did you pull all you did out of someone else's script? I would have never believed you didn't write it. I, I usually skip that info because I don't want to be biased. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I think, you know, whenever I decide <clears throat> to do a project and, you know, I, I wrote my first film and my last, three projects I have not written and I think you know for me I have to first figure out what's personal why do I want to do it and I can't really go forward if I don't know why I want to do it and what I want to say so I have to kind of find some kind of my own ownership over over the story and so you know it was in this case what I told you it was it was just a really important Thing to explore at, the, at that time for me and then it's you know working very closely with the writer to develop it further and take it further and ask a lot of questions you know there was a different third act when when we got the script and for me it wasn't satisfying because it wasn't paying off the real theme and I wasn't sure if if, if Moira really knew exactly what what the driving theme was. So we talked a lot about it and she was always so gracious at um, being able to question her own script and work on it together. And we finally figured out that really what the story is about is, is it okay to leave someone you love? Very simple sentence and a very hard thing to, to do. And we figured out through a lot of, conversation that that's really what this movie is about which is why I think it feels so universal even though it's about mental illness and a mother and daughter I think it's incredibly relatable to so many people um, and basically anyone who's ever been in any relationship I think has had to, to face that question and so once we figured out that that's what really is the heartbeat of this movie um, we, I you know, challenged Moira to to reconsider the third act and ended up writing something um, just a lot less sensational than what originally was there and um, I think ultimately way more powerful and satisfying. And so, um, you know, that process is really the beginning of directing for me, you know, all those questions and all that probing. And then, you know, my scientific background really comes into play. I do a ton of research. I did so much research on mental illness. My producer, Jeff Loeb, is 
great and so smart, and he found me wonderful memoirs I read, and then we reached out to the author of one of them, the one called Perfect Chaos um, by Linnea and Cinda Johnson, the mother-daughter team who wrote this book, and Linnea suffers from bipolar disorder, and her mom was there every step of the way with her, and it's a memoir written in real time as Linnea was going through different um, different stages of the illness over about a 10-year period. And we reached out to the authors, and they were so gracious. They read the script and gave us feedback, and they agreed. Linnea agreed to Skype with Taryn and talk to her about what it felt like, what was going what you know, what's going on in her brain when she feels manic and when she doesn't. And it was just so helpful and gave us lots of insight and specificity into how to create a character that was just so dimensional and that you care about so much because, like I said, nobody chooses to suffer from this. And the fact that people are ostracized or there's stigma or that we don't talk about it to try to figure out what to do about it is just horrible. It just makes something where people are suffering that much worse because they have to suffer alone. And so, um, you know, I think that process of collaboration every step of the way is um, sort of helps, I don't know, helps it just become so real to me. And then hopefully what I put on the screen in turn feels very real to the audience. Well, something that you just touched on, and then we'll do our standard <laughs> close that we do with every guest, mentioning, uh, you know, the not talking about it, the not discussing it. And I had seen an interview, I, I forget what film he was talking about, uh, but Steven Soderbergh, I think it was that sci-fi movie he made, um, but he was talking about being interested in this theme that there's millions of species and, you know, cheetahs, cheetahs don't know they're going to die and cheetahs have no clue that we're the only species on earth that knows we're going to die, but no one wants to talk about it. Like we don't tell our friends what they mean to them until they're in a bed with wow. cancer or, you know, they've had that car wreck. Um, so I think all those themes that you were talking about fit really well. And, and again, please everyone check out this film and, and tell your friends to check it out. Uh, mental illness was something that this morning for me was kind of a nice treat because it's it's something that no stranger to in our family. So um, I had a great kind of therapy session with the movie in some sense. So uh, with that, <laughs> we'll go Kurt into Fuller. our... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry about that. I, put, I said I'll tell Kurt Fuller, our therapist in the movie. Oh, yes. Please do. <laughs> Please do. And tell him I love his work. He's never heard that before. Um, I will. You know, we've done three <laughs> movies together now. So, um, oh, I also that's love excellent. Please, please put him as a mean principal once just for us. Um, <laughs> so so what, what we just always do to close out the show here is is that uh, we, we just turn the floor over to the guests to if there's any new projects or social media projects. Uh, anything that they want to say it's just kind of your floor and then when you're done I'll wrap up the show oh sure thanks for asking so as you mentioned Light Beneath Their Feet is on Netflix if you want to call I don't know if you can post the trailer for it but um, I can send you a link for that um, or people oh, can okay. just Google 
a light beneath our feet trailer. And I do have two projects coming up. I just um, wrapped a TV show for Amazon that comes out Thanksgiving. It's uh, an American Girl story based on the dolls. I did an episode called Extraordinary Christmas about the Mary Ellen doll and set in 1955. And that is a great little family film that comes out uh, the day after Thanksgiving. And just prior to that, I wrapped an action movie called The Archer, which is also a female-driven story. It's, uh, we describe it as Thelma and Louise meets First Blood. It's an intense <laughs> action film that is also very character-driven and, um, you know, it was a similar process to this one of really diving in and, and uh, you know, finding what made me passionate about it. So that uh, will land on the festival circuit sometime this coming year. So, um, yeah, look for both of those. Oh, excellent. We will. And something we always offer to the guests, and you don't have to answer on air, you can let me know, because obviously every guest, we know how to contact each other. Um, Anyone who's been on and we couldn't stand the experience, uh, they're welcome back with their next film. Or sometimes we've had guests that uh, call in and they just saw this really great film and they want to talk about it. So we do like a dual review or Sometimes I review a film and then a past guest comes on and reviews it. And during Oscar times, we get lots of fun things together. We're probably going to be doing our first panel this year of having four or five guests on to discuss what they saw. So just to let you know, you're open to all of that um, now that you've been on the show and especially for future projects, um, the door is always open. Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this time talking to you, Paul. I appreciate it. Oh, yes, me too. I really appreciate it. And uh, you have a wonderful day. And, of course, I'll get this show to you uh, as soon as it's up. Great. Thank you so much. Take care. Uh, Aloha. Bye-bye. Aloha. And that was a great talk with Valerie Weiss. Um, As I said, she took my review. I was going to say brilliant. She didn't say brilliant. She wouldn't say that about herself. But just brilliant. Good movie. Just met you where you needed to be met. I'm stealing that quote from our co-producer who says that some films just meet you where you're supposed to meet them two miles down the road, be it right now, be it last week. She happened to hit on some things that I'm actually going through and was having a conversation with someone about before we did this episode this morning. So it was funny that my pre-talk of uh, what's going on in my life with someone close to me was this movie and what the guest was talking about. So again, we appreciate everything that we get out of doing this to us really honestly, respectfully. It's like a free master's class hearing these great filmmakers talk. You know how it goes, whether you're listening in the morning, afternoon or night, make sure and watch a good movie day. Aloha and peace to all.